room are not 25 years old, okay? Some of you are over 25, okay? And so my question for you is, what have you waited 25 years for? Can you think of any examples in your life that you waited 25 years for? Just think about that for a second. So 25 years ago was 1998. Okay, just to give a little... So we're talking here, you started looking for it in 1998, and you just... So to give a window of 25 years. To me, as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I really can't think of a whole lot. I mean, for me, I was 28 when I got married um, to Sarah, but at least 13 of those years, I was not even thinking about getting married. So that doesn't really count, okay? Um, you get when I was younger, you got it. So, um, But yeah, just think about that. 25 years. Uh, um, I think two falls ago, um, my college roommates, which we've been out of college for over 25 years, our first night, I mean, I stayed up till 2 in the morning, which I never do that. Because each of us basically went through the last 25 years of our lives. We each had about an hour and a half that we kind of walked through um, just what God has done. And so that was a great night to hear um, over the last 25 years some of the things that the Lord has, has done. Maybe to put some, uh, you know, some uh, 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 spiritual um, you know, part to this, how many, is, there, is there anybody in here maybe that they prayed for you they prayed for you for 25 years, maybe before you came to know Christ, or maybe you came back to the Lord. Anybody, any of you a recipient, an answer to a prayer that someone has prayed for a long time? I knew Jim's hand was going to go up, Barb, some of you, more and more. That's one of the things I remember about Jim's story, him saying that your mom prayed for how many years for you? 50, 50 years for Jim to cross the line of faith. And, uh, and I'm sure we all have stories. And, but the point here is time. And I know some of you are like, 25 years, bloop, it's nothing. Some of the young people are like, can't even imagine being 25 years old. That's like ancient. Um, and so as we think about this morning, what we're going to talk about is waiting. How many of you in here like to wait? That's what I thought. Nobody does. I've never really met a person who goes into the grocery store and looks for the longest line or says to everybody who wants to get in line, just, just go, I, I'm not going anywhere, just, just go right ahead. I, I, I'll just sit here and wait till everybody goes through. Or when I heard one of you had to go to QCare yesterday, Anna, not many people that go to the ER are like, you know what? Or they're in the hospital, they're like, you know what, I, I'll, I'll stay for a while. I don't need to go home. You can go ahead. 24 hours in the yard, no problem. Not in a hurry. So how about the Lord? Now, I don't know whether he likes to wait. I don't know that or not. But what I do know is that the Lord is patient. So whether he likes it or not, I, if someone finds a verse, tell me this week, might be a question we can ask him when we get to heaven. But what we know is that he is patient. 
Remember when we looked at Noah. How many years did God wait for humanity to return to him, approximately? I can't hear you. You've got to speak up. My... 1,500. 1,500, yeah. Around 1,500 years. Now, is that patient? That's patience. 1,500 years. So when you think about the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, what, what does it say? Love is? Guilty. How much love do you have? How patient are you? So last week, we listened to Yahweh, the living God's words to Abram, that he was going to make a new nation through him. And so what's significant about that is that he's 75 years old. His wife is about 10 years younger than him. What's his wife's name? Sarah. Very good. And so God said to him, I'm going to make a nation from you, and they had trouble having one child. Was there a pretty big gap? A huge gap. A huge gap. And so the message this morning is really taking 25 years of Abram's life and putting it to about 25 minutes of this message to get a perspective. To see what God was asking Abraham to do. So I want to look at a verse first uh, from Psalm uh, chapter 37. We'll bring it up on the screen. You don't have to turn to it. We're going to if you want to turn, turn to Genesis. We're going to spend most of our time in the narrative in Genesis. Um, but Psalm 37, verse 7, says this. It says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let me read it again. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And so this verse is significant to me. If you've been in our house, um, and you look right above the fireplace, is a picture with this verse on. And that picture is from our life group um, at, at my last church. That uh, um, We were in transition. We knew that God was moving us on, but we didn't know what was next. And that verse, and I'm just giving you the, the top part of it, those two lines is what God used to develop and to deepen, and to strengthen, and to put me in perspective as I was waiting and looking to see what God would do next. See, waiting and faith go very much together. They go together. And so for me, for about a six-month period, I was in that tension. I need to get resumes out. I need to make phone calls. I need to do all the... I need to do, 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 do. And you know what? I needed to. At the same time, what's in contrast to doing is be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. There's a tension in there. And I think if all of us were to be honest, we're much more doers. And so we feel the responsibility of I have to do something which goes in contrast to faith. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And so we're going to see that lived out here. 
Because faith is waiting on, on God to do what he said he would do. That's what faith is. Faith is waiting on God to do what he said he would do. And what God told Abram, I'm going to make a nation out of you, even though he was childless. And this is what God does. He waits for 25 years to make sure that they knew good and well there is no way they could pull this off. See, that's what God does. God loves to put us in impossible situations so that the only way out is him. That way we know it, and that when we walk around, we can talk about it. God did this, not me. Now again, obedience is always part of this, and we're going to see this. So there's not a disconnect. Faith is just sitting in your chair doing nothing. No. God made this promise to Abraham, and Abraham got his feet moving. He, He did things in response to the words of God, to the words of God. And so let's look at the storyline. Look at back to Genesis chapter 15. And uh, we're just going to kind of go through, uh, like I said, the, 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 message, the theme this morning is faith is waiting on God to do what he said he would do. And so let's read here in Genesis 15, verses, well, I'll read, you listen. Verse, verse 1, we'll start in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And the and the and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir air. And he brought him outside. This is what you love about God. God is, he he uses all of creation to help us get who he is. And so as he's talking to Abram, he takes him outside and what does he say? Look up! What do you see? What do you see? Stars. A couple? No. I mean, you've all looked up in the night, right? As far as you can see to the east to the west. Every direction, you see stars everywhere. And God was using it as a picture. Abraham, just as like you see the stars, and you know what? I made them. I'm going to give you as many children. Many children. So look what he says, verse 5. And he brought him outside. He said, look towards the heaven and number the stars, which is kind of, you know, God, you can't count them. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And look at verse 6. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. See, that's faith. He listened to what God said, and he, he took God at his word, and he believed him. He said, all right, God, it's a good thing you, had a, it's good thing you intervened here because I was beginning to wonder what's, you know, I don't know, you're kind of, you know, you're a little slow here. And so 
in the waiting, what does Abraham do? He keeps listening and he keeps obeying God. And even if you only know a few things about God, you know what the waiting means? You keep listening and you keep obeying. Well, what about tomorrow, Steve? You keep listening and you keep obeying. Well, what about next month, Steve? You keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's what faith is. God, I'm going to believe that what you say is true, even though today it doesn't look like it makes sense. I'm still childless, God. That's what Abraham's saying. And God says, no. This rests on me. This rests on me, Abraham. You trust me. You take me at my word. It says here, Abraham believed the Lord, and then he counted it to him as righteousness. And the rest of this chapter, I, I, I wish I could spend more time. What God does next, he does another active thing, and I'll give you the 30-second version. He makes a covenant, and God's covenant is he made a demonstration to Abraham that this rested on his shoulders. He had him take three animals, kill them, cut them in half. You can go back and read the rest of chapter 15. Cut them in half, lay them, lay them, uh, lay them um, apart so there's a pathway between the two. And so the covenant was God would be the one and he would be the only one to pass between these dead parts of the animal. And the point is, as I, you know, people would, would do this for a covenant, and what you're basically saying is, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to become like one of these dead animals. That's the picture. Okay? But in this covenant, God puts Abraham to sleep. Who walks between the dead animals? God does. And so what God was saying to Abraham is, this depends on me. Depends on my shoulders. I'm committed to doing this. My integrity is at stake. And so he makes that abundantly clear. Now, Abraham is, and Sarah, they are human. And so I think you probably know the story that um, we all can have a tendency at times to take things into our own hands. Do you ever have a tendency to take things into your own hands? I do. And part of the process of faith, Abraham and Sarah weren't any different. They were on a process of maturity. And so what, what we see here is that even in their disobedience did not stop God's plan. Now, that doesn't mean, well, see, if I just disobey, then I'm okay. No, 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 that's not what we do. What it means is you can't mess up God's plan. You can't. And so that's comforting to us. Now, that doesn't give us a license to say, well, I'm just going to go do what I want and God will just fix it. Well, you know what? That's not, how's that going to work out for you? Not going to work out too well. But we see God's grace here. So look in chapter uh, 16. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. 
it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And so what do we see here? We see their disobedience was not obeying what God said. And again, let's look at Abraham here. Abram, he knew what God said, and he listened to his wife. Have you seen this any, anywhere else in the book of Genesis? Does this seem like maybe a pattern? Possibly. Okay? And again, my point isn't this isn't a man and woman thing. This is about we, we, have a, we, we all have a tendency to disobey, to not take God at his word. And so we're, we're told here, 10 years pass, um, uh, you know, and, and so time passes. I mean, um, I think we're told here that he's 86 years old. 11 years have gone on. And they come to the place where they say, you know what, well, I guess God's not going to do what he said, so we better help him out. Now, what was Sarah ever thinking? Did she really think that she would be content with her husband having a child with another woman. I mean, how did she really think that was going to go? Well, she wasn't really thinking, okay? But again, the point here that we see is that our disobedience does not stop God's plan. And I don't say that so that you disobey, I say that, you know what, God is greater than your disobedience. God is in more control than you are. You won't take him by surprise. And I think that speaks to us too. God's in control of our children, people that we love and care about, our coworkers and other people. He knows far more than we do. And so we can trust him. Even when you feel like, you know what, 11 years have passed. <laughs> you know, God, we're struggling here. Yeah, I know. Faith is waiting on God to do what he said he would do. We have to keep listening. We have to keep obeying. Even when we disobey, it doesn't take God by surprise. It doesn't mess up his plan. And so I think the last point here, the last part is that what God has been doing here is giving the time test. God, God does all kinds of tests. This is the test of time. Are you going to trust me over the long haul? And so look at chapter uh, 17. I'm going to start in verse 1. So now fast forward. Now when Abraham was 99 years old, so this is 24 years after God originally told Abraham what he was going to do. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. 
walk before me and be blameless. You see, this is the, <laughs> this is the tension of faith. God is saying, I'm God Almighty, and he's still childless. And so faith is, am I going to believe and trust that God is still Almighty even when I'm childless? That's what we get at here. And you know what? The same thing is for us. Are we going to trust and believe God even when your circumstances and what you see stands in contrast to what God says? What's going to win out? You're going to keep believing and listening and trusting God? Or are you going to say, you know what? Yeah, God doesn't know what he's, he doesn't know my life. That's what faith is. Continuing to believe and trust God. Verse 2, that I may make, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham, then Abram fell on his face. And so what do we see here about Abraham? He loved God. He revered God. He trusted God. He responded to God. And what, how does he respond here? He hears from God, and he falls on his face in worship. He falls on his face saying, you are, God, I want you more than anything else. I want you. Second part of verse 3, And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with who? You. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly... Oh, I'm done there. And so what do we see God do here? God changes their names. He changes, their na he changes Abram's name. Abram was the name his dad gave to him, Terah. It represented, hey, he, it re represented his family line, his heritage. And God wasn't disqualifying that. But what God was saying is, I'm not looking back in your life to, 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 to understand who your identity is. I'm looking forward. He renames him Abraham, which means the, fa uh, the, uh, the father of many nations. He was changing his name. It was symbolic of he was giving Abraham a new identity and a new perspective, God's identity, God's perspective in his life. And it was seen simply by a name change. God would call him Abraham. He did the same thing with Sarah. And Sarah is a little smaller of a name change from Sarai to Sarah. And what does Sarah mean? It means princess. It means one, um, one who would bear royalty. She would be the mother of royalty. He changes their name. And so how does, how does Abraham respond? Look down in verse 17. And again, we, we, have to, we don't have time to look at all this, but verse 17 says, then Abram, Abraham fell on his face and he laughed to himself. Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So what I love about here, the Bible's not full of people who have it all together. The Bible is full of people that are in process. And here Abram's, 24 years later, 
God changes his name, and what's his response? And he doesn't say it out loud, because that's usually what happens. You know, we don't ever say, we're not overtly rebellious to God. We don't say, well, God, you jerk, you know? I mean, we don't say that. It's inside. We murmur it. We think it. And Abraham's the first one here who laughs at God. And this is what you love about God. God goes on here and basically says, you want to know what, I'm going to tell you the name of your child. His name is going to be Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. We're going to talk more about Isaac next week. But what do we see here? God continues to reaffirm his promise to Abraham and to Sarah. He continues. It's almost like, so there's another year. This is kind of like, you know, when you're on your trip and your kids say, how much longer, Dad? Well, another hour after you've had 13 hours in the car. Do they say, oh, oh, we're almost there. No, the last hour is probably the hardest. And so they have one more year left, right? And so what does God do here? And this is what we see, is that God's word, he is is affirming and reaffirming to Abraham. Over these 25 years, he hasn't been silent. He's been telling Abraham what is going on. He's been communicating. And again, are we going to respond? Are we going to listen to what God says? Are we going to believe him? Are we going to trust him? When we get off track, are we going to get back on track? And so what does God do at the end, or uh, chapter 18? And uh, it's just amazing. I wish we had more time, but... Let's look at real quickly here. Verse 8, or chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord, this is Yahweh, this is the invisible God of the universe. The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. And so here is the invisible God of the universe again. This isn't the first time. He shows up on sand, he shows up present and personal with Abraham. And he doesn't come alone. He has, Yahweh has two people with him, probably angels, but three of them, they show up. Look what happens. Verse 2, he, Abraham, lift up his eyes and he looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass, excuse me, by your servant. And so more goes on here, and basically they show hospitality, and and basically Abraham says, you know what, we want to have a meal with you. And so he talks to his wife and says, hey, can you make some bread, and can you get a meal together for our our guests here that we want to show hospitality uh, to them. He talks to one of his servants to go, hey, kill one of the calves, you know, one of the, one of the cows that we have. And, and again, they didn't run to sheets, okay? So they didn't run to sheets and get made to order and show up with the boxes, you know? So this meal took some time, took some time to, to happen. And so what do we see about God here is that God wants to be with his children. He shows up personally. They eat a meal together, and, 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 and what is that? Uh, uh, eating together is a picture of, an int- of intimacy and relationship between God and Abraham, but it's also for us too. Who do we share a meal with? Those that are close to us. 
you know, that's part of us as a church. Why do we have life groups? Why are we having a Super Bowl party tonight? So we would share a meal and, and hang out and eat and share our lives and talk so that we can deepen our relationship with one another. And so that's what God is demonstrating here. But this is Yahweh himself coming and stopping by. And so up until this point, it appears as though all the revelation to Abraham about this covenant has been from God to him. But God expands that circle now. He includes Sarah in the revelation. And so look in verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Notice the name change, okay? The name's changed. Their identity is changed. Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. <laughs> Again, you got to love this. They, in case you didn't get it, they were old. <laughs> Lost my place here. They were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Translation, she's already gone through menopause. She can't bear children. It is humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. And so what does Yahweh say? Or what's the response? Yahweh says she's going to have, in a year, she will have a baby. What does Sarah do? Verse 12. Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old. She's talking about Abraham there. She called him old. Shall I have pleasure so you see the picture here, but what is God doing? God is including her in the process of revelation. And yes, yeah, she fails here, and she lies and tries to cover it up. But the bottom line is, God demonstrates that this rests on his shoulders. You see that? He doesn't give up. And even though they're not as mature as what they should be, he doesn't say, you know what, how many times do I got to tell you? He just continues to demonstrate who he is. He continues to show them. And so God reveals the promise to Sarah. And so what we see here is that, again, this is 25 years. Next week we'll pick up and we'll see the baby is born, but faith is waiting on God to do what he said he, 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 he would do. what faith is. So Zion, how are we doing in the waiting? It's not any more fun for us. Even though we have technology, waiting's not easier. Still the wrestling match that we have with God, right? For example, pastorally, you know, I, you know, one of the reasons why I think God brought me here is because I have a heartbeat for discipleship. Have for all my life. 
And for the first number of years, trying to communicate that vision, and it just didn't go over very well. There wasn't a response like there is right now in the season that we're in, like Rudy shared examples of people responding to that. There wasn't. So what did God have to do through the pastor? Steve, you going to trust me? You going to trust me? I didn't bring you here for nothing. And again, you get the point. You going to trust? You going to wait on me? You going to wait on me? I think we're all to be honest, there's things in our life that we're waiting on and where I wanted to end kind of the message today is one of the reasons we come together is to acknowledge that when it's hard. And we minister to one another by praying for one another. And so, I'm kind of going to give a couple examples here, but what, what I would like to do, are, are the ending response here is, you know, hey, maybe you're in that place of, you're in the year 14 of the waiting. And so what you need is your brother and sisters to come alongside and say, you know what, don't give up. We're with you. Don't give up. Maybe it's for you ladies who you've been waiting on your husband who is not spiritually interested and you've been waiting for a long time. Maybe it's to our parents in here. Maybe it's to your, your children. Maybe they're, they're young. Maybe they're, they're, they're adult. And they're not pursuing Christ. And your heart is broken. And you're waiting on God. You're waiting on God. Maybe for you, it's your sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You, you've shared the gospel with, with person X, or you know that, that they've heard it. The seed's been planted. God, when are, you gonna, when are they going to get it? When are they going to understand what Christ has done? And the waiting is hard. Come on, Lord, time could run out. Got to wait on him. And so here's what I'd like to do. I mean, I think we all need to have faith. And so for maybe you this morning, you're here and you're, you're in the waiting, and you know what? You just, you're struggling right now. You don't have to use words. All you need to do is acknowledge it by, in a second, standing up. And acknowledge saying, you know what? I'm waiting on God for whatever is in your mind and heart. The risk on the other side is for the rest of you as a body to pray. Take a moment or two for us to corporately pray with one another. Okay, and so those of you maybe you're in that place where you know, I, I just want to acknowledge before God and my church family that I'm, I'm waiting and it's hard. You can go ahead and stand up right where you're at. Thank you. so what I, and again, as you stand, and so what I would like is the, for, and this is where we minister to one another in this process. And I'm just going to ask one or two of you um, to just pray for the community. And so, and if it's quiet for a minute or two, that's okay, because we're going to wait on the Lord. Um, but a couple of you uh, just pray, Okay.
those are things um, I just <coughs> can't get a handle on. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to give myself to, to the kids, Lord, and I just can't get the connection there. I'm looking for it. I know if I need, we need more kids in the, in the program, and I'm just begging you or pleading with you to open up the hearts of young mothers or Father, we do thank you for the examples. God, we want to continue to walk by faith. God, we need one another. We need the encouragement when one's up to encourage the person who is down. God, that you would continue to make Zion a, a, a community that we are moving forward and growing and becoming more like you in the process. And so, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness, Lord. And in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Thanks. You can go ahead and grab a seat. We're going to sing a few songs.